Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. Hello, Think Fit, Be Fit. Thank you guys for being here today. I have two guests this afternoon, morning, to discuss something for me that is... What is it? I love exploring innovation and I love exploring anti-hustle exercise. So we're going to combine those two together today. And it's it's just an exciting way to bring this to you all. So I have Nikki and Kayleen here today. And I would love it if you guys could introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about the relationship that you y'all have. Sure. So I'll go first. My name is Kayleen. I'm the founder and CEO of Flexia. We are a connected fitness company that brings the Pilates studio experience into your living room with our patent pending reformer and an online studio. And we use technology to link the two to give you that studio experience from the comfort and convenience of your living room. I first met Nikki a couple of years ago and I'll let her continue the story. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Nikki. I have been in the fitness industry for far too long. I've had a lot of different roles. I've taught a, little, a lot of different things, but my initial background is more of Pilates and group fitness. I had a lot of challenges with my body, namely with chronic pain and hypermobility and some other stuff. Discovered strength training. It solved a lot of my problems. And now a lot of what I do is help people who struggle with pain, injury, or hypermobility get started strength training. And I also do some nutrition coaching and education. How Kayleen and I met, uh, <laughs> I think the long short of it is we were both in the Pilates space. We knew each other kind of loosely through colleagues and through the internet. And I have a little bit of a hair trigger personality where I sort of decide I'm going to offer something without really thinking it through. And the way that that happened was someone basically told me, you know, you should really do business consults. You're really good at this online marketing thing. So I made an Instagram post about it. And Kayleen reached out to me to help her with her uh, equipment maintenance company at the time and a product that she was selling online. Um, And that kind of turned into an entire friendship until the pandemic hit where (laughs) I realized I had no structure in my life. And I reached out to her and I said, would you like to co-work two to three times a week where we just babysit each other on the phone Mm. uh, while we're trapped in our houses in quarantine? And that was when Kayleen came to me with the business idea of Flexia, to which I told her, that sounds hard. Good luck with that. And I'll let Kayleen, I'll let you take the rest of the story from there. <laughs> well, I did eventually convince Nikki to come on as our marketing advisor. And I still, she's been integral from the early days to to getting our messaging right and, and having some successful pre-sales. So aside from that, we have a lot of fun together. Great well, friendship. That's awesome. It, the first sale was the hardest. So, you know, that's amazing. You've got pre-sales and it, I think it speaks to the relationship and probably the product and the innovation behind it. Um, I'm going to back up just a tad real quick for the audience because you all may remember Nikki from months ago, it, 2021, we had a couple banger episodes 
on some of our, our favorite things to complain about. And not only was that a therapeutic episode for me to discuss all the things that I find wrong with bad cues and I don't know, purity culture. However, it's all, it was also one of the most popular downloads of the year. So I am so glad we have interesting company in our uh, podcast audience here. So, and now back to where we are now, that this conversation really wants to happen for me because of the innovation that Flexia and Kayleen have created. So, you know, and it just reminds me of just some of the big problems. There's so many problems in the Pilates industry. And uh, I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of all of those and make a list. I, you know, maybe that'll be an activity for a live format where we can just make a list <laughs> and go through it because there's just some other cool stuff I want to get to. Kayleen, please tell us about Flexia and I don't the interest the innovation that it offers, but also that you specifically offer as an engineer. Absolutely. So I'm a mechanical engineer, as you mentioned. Uh, I'm also a Pilates instructor, and I've spent a lot of time talking to people who own Pilates equipment and people who do Pilates in a studio. Um, and and as Nikki mentioned, I used to own a equipment maintenance company in the Pilates space. And through that experience and talking with all of my clients in the studio, I got the same request all the time, which was, how can I do more Pilates on a reformer outside of the studio? And every time that we tried to put something together, it didn't really work quite right. I mean, you know, this the Pilates equipment is big, it's expensive, it's intimidating. How do you know what to do with it? How can you fit your whole household? And so I thought there was an opportunity there. At the same time, the way Pilates is at the moment is there's no data you can get from your Pilates session, from the reformer, from your body, unless you're like wearing a smartwatch and and measuring all the normal things. And for people like my mom, who's a self-proclaimed uncoordinated person, loves Pilates in concept, she's a physical therapist, but has a hard time connecting to her body and noticing progress over time. She, she literally told me one day, she said, I love Pilates. I know it's good for me, but I just, on Peloton, I have a number that I can can compare every time I get on the bike. And I know they're not the same thing, but it just keeps me coming back. And so my you know, nerd brain was like, well, I think that there's something to that, right? Being able to help people like my mom along the process of connecting with their body, using technology as that bridge, how can we do that? How can we take what is the essence of Pilates, which sure incorporates a little bit about load and number of repetitions, but also really focuses on range of motion um, and control and consistency. How can we use technology to quantify that? 
And so that's really a long way of coming about to what Flexia does today, which is we have a reformer, which I designed and brings all the best things about professional grade reformers into one machine, but is also friendly for your home. We have an online studio that shows you exactly how to use it, on-demand workouts of different lengths, um, different intensities, levels, different instructors. And then we have the technology, which it goes on the reformer and then measures what you're doing on the reformer and communicates it back to the online studio so that as a user, you get real-time feedback about how you're doing in class. We can track your progress and we can make recommendations about what to do next. So it's really looking at Pilates in a whole new lens. I love that. I love it because we can put it in this big container of it's it's an emerging uh, collaboration for the exerciser who likes to data follow and ask questions and know that their investment is working. And it also brings in the, let's just say the fun part of reformer workouts, which is that you don't have to necessarily count, you know, like in a strength training environment. And that it also brings in this whole not totally DIY, but definitely really helps people do Pilates more accessibly. So there's just so many ways I want to explore this conversation. I'm, I get so excited about the idea of like reinvention and all that stuff. So I think a good place to start uh, is maybe like what specifically would a would a, would a person who enjoys data tracking and getting into the nuts and bolts of their training, what would they love about using Flexia? Of course. So we can, of course, measure all the things you might expect from other connected fitness devices. So things Mm -hmm. like how much load did you move? How many repetitions did you do? But beyond that, we look at things like, are you controlling the movement of Mm -hmm. the carriage? which is very central to performing a Pilates exercise. Are you moving the carriage consistently? And then um, making sure that if those two scores are on track, we can then progress you and make the exercise a little harder. Or if those two scores are maybe on the fritz, we can give you feedback about what to do better. Or we can actually recommend you change the resistance settings to either give you more support in some way. That's so cool. I mean, so most people don't understand that like a reformer can give you more support. (laughs) So let's dive into that a little bit about control, measuring it. But I kind of want to hear from Nikki on like the more topical angle of that. Like, what is it like for you as an instructor, coach, marketing advisor <laughs> to integrate strength training with Flexia and Pilates in general. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that we have to keep in mind is that every movement modality is really good at some things 
but not good at all of the things. And that's doesn't mean that either one is ever superior or bad. It just means it's really helpful to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And if what you're doing aligns with what you actually are trying to achieve, and sometimes there's an ego check moment, but what your body actually needs. (laughs) And I think that something that Pilates on the reformer does exceptionally well is give you feedback to the joints that really teaches you where you are in space and how to move with control through larger ranges of motion. And if someone doesn't necessarily has a hard time conceptualizing why that is important, it's because our nervous system, which really tends to dictate if we're going to experience pain and even to a degree dictates maybe more than the muscle system, how much range of motion or flexibility we actually have uh, needs that feedback to be able to sense where things are. And if we have good control, we are usually able to lift more efficiently, which means that we tend it's easier to get stronger. We tend to have more flexibility and ease and we tend to have less pain. And if anyone's wondering why the reformer does that really specifically well for those types of things, it's because you're working with springs. And if you don't have control when you're on your back on a piece of equipment with your feet and some like straps that have spring-loaded resistance, you're like on a it's like being on an acne launcher if you don't have good control. <laughs> And so for people who tend to be hypermobile, which means they're in the weird bendy club like I am, we tend to need more feedback and support from springs and feedback from feeling the carriage, which can really create safety in our body and help us learn how to feel and find where things are in space. So we actually learn how to use the range we have with muscular control, which makes us more successful with other exercises like strength training. And on the flip side, if you sort of have that more stereotypical you know, tight, I'm using air quotes here, tight dude, who's like, well, I just want to be strong. It's like, that's cool. But if you can't bend over and tie your shoes without like crippling back pain or without hobbling around, or you can't get up and down off the floor easily to play with your dog, that's a different set of challenges that's going to continue. I don't want to like be fatalistic to get worse if you don't work on it as you get older. And having access to something like a reformer where you can really start to explore that range of motion can actually help you increase that flexibility and again help you pursue the other activities you enjoy whether you know you play sports you play rec soccer you want to strength train and so i think what's so cool about the reformer is that it kind of offers this continuum that bridges the gap both for sort of like really active people who tend not to think as much about their movement fluency or have a hard time with mobility whether it's too much or too little or if you're someone who finds traditional exercise kind of scary or you have a lot of pain, Pilates is sort of like you said, uh, Jen, like the no hustle way to like start to actually get into exercise in a way that feels good and doesn't kick up all those inflammation responses. So that's where really where I love that it bridges the gap. And I think to pull it back a little bit more specific to Flexia, for a lot of us, being in a studio doesn't always make sense. A lot of us don't feel you know embarrassed to do things in front of of other people. We don't have a lot of time. We're still, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true in this pandemic. And it's like, there's constant shutdowns. Maybe we're not comfortable in a group setting. And so I think the ability to get that education and experience from home with a certain level of guidance is really, really valuable, especially with the time that we're living in right now. Mm. Yeah. I can definitely attest to some of the, the mobility 
aspects of, you know, using reformer workouts for myself. And it's always interesting to like, not, not reflecting on my own um, exercise, but when I've worked with professional athletes and there's a lot of NFL players that use reformer workouts and it's definitely, I mean, it's, I think it definitely confuses people, (laughs) but I will say, I think for me and, you know, reflecting on, you know, seemingly very, very, very strong people using reformer workouts is that it does create a lot of feedback and, you know, not just, so I think the benefits for that go just through all the different types of bodies that can benefit from reformers and Pilates in general. Well, yeah, Pilates done. <laughs> it, what, what I define as like, you know, respectful and uh, what else is it? Useful. <laughs> um, because, you know, it just like brings up for me, like some of the deep dives I've done in the last year on cueing and autonomy and giving people more from their workouts than just a choreography. And so I think this is a good place to kind of bridge over into that word accessible. Uh, it's something, it's a word, that's a word I use often on the podcast. Um, and I'm not sure people totally understand what I mean when I say, you know, oh, this makes it more accessible. Or in in one way, I, I really just mean digestible. But in this way, if we're looking at the flexia, it is making things more accessible by, you know, potentially taking away what seems to be an end goal for a lot of Pilates instructors and students, which is long, fluid ranges of motion and stretches and and things like that. So you know, Kayleen, did you have that in mind when you created Flexia? And can you please just, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Of course, of course. Um, I want to acknowledge, you know, that there are pieces to the accessibility conversation that, Mm. you know, we don't have answers for everything, but I think, you know, I'll get into it. It's a huge, huge motivator and part of our mission I'm a soccer player. I often call my arms, you know, T-Rex arms just because I can dribble a soccer ball and find the pick up the thing off the floor with my feet all day long, but if you ask me to, you know, use hand-eye coordination, you know, much less do a push-up. I'm <laughs> I'm crazy. And so for even as a, you know, straight-sized white woman in the Pilates space, I still felt a little bit out of place because Mm -hmm. I wasn't small and skinny and flexible enough to fit Mm -hmm. what you see in Google image searches. I think the one of the biggest turning points for me, and I, I was... I would say I was always sort of aware of it, but no one had ever, I had never had this conversation explicitly. And this really pushed me was I had a a client at a Pilates studio I was teaching at. And she was a mom about my age, mid-30s, 
very crafty. One time she made me a screen printed t-shirt, which I was like, that's cool. Thank you. (laughs) Um, She had a couple kids. And so she was always taking them around to her activities. And she lives in a larger body, both in, you know, width and in height. She's over six foot tall. And she came to my basics class, my basics group class for about six weeks and then moved on to other classes that were at different levels because she felt confident enough. And I saw her randomly in passing one day and she said, you know, Kayleen, I just wanted to say thank you for making me feel welcome. And and I said, oh, of course, like, I'm so glad you're you're here. And she said, you know, I almost didn't show up. I look at Pilates. I don't ever see anybody who looks like me. Mm-hmm. I was really afraid that the equipment couldn't support my weight. Um, mm-hmm. As a larger person, I'm always used to looking at weight capacities for furniture. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, I think straight-sized people just totally overlook. And she said, I was really worried that I would come to class. I wouldn't fit on the equipment. I we would be in the middle of class and I would not be flexible enough or strong enough to do a certain exercise and I'd just be so embarrassed. But you made it accessible. And even though I have to find the one reformer in the studio that's a little bit different so it fits my body better, I still feel like I have a place here and Pilates has totally changed my life. I'm so glad I showed up. Mm-hmm. And that's really when the messaging aspect of Pilates really, really sunk in. It's like, that's not, why do we come to Pilates? Mm -hmm. And who is it for and who does it benefit? Mm -hmm. And we're leaving out so many people who could potentially love it and benefit from it simply because of the messaging that's out there. Mm. Yeah, that, that is, that's very powerful. Nikki, do you have anything to add? I'll just speak as one of the disenfranchised Pilates teachers, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, again, I always want to be thoughtful when I speak to the accessibility side, because again, I'm a fairly financially privileged, straight-sized white girl. So I don't want to pretend that that's not my reality because my lived experience will be very different than someone who has kind of, is more, has more marginalized identities. We'll just say that. But I think something that's sort of, we're speaking to it now, but something that sort of has been unspoken for a very long time is that the Pilates industry and culture in general has really leaned into and bought into selling Pilates through this idea that it's going to give you long lean muscles and you're going to get to do great big acrobatic things, which is not bad. Those acrobatic things are actually what drew me in originally. It's mm-hmm. it's fun, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. But what we end up seeing as Pilates being about is that it's a way to stay, it's a way to either get or stay really skinny and not get bulky <laughs> while doing great big ranges of motion. And that's not really how it works. That's not really what it does. It's sort of lying to people. And then I think in sort of buying into and promoting that lie, what we end up doing is not talking about all of the things that it does really well. And then there's, to Kayleen's point, a whole bunch of people who don't see themselves represented. And 
before it sounds like I'm just only throwing Pilates under the bus, I would like to, for one, throw the entire fitness industry under the bus on this topic as well, because goodness knows there's plenty of marketing outside of Pilates and plenty of aspects of the industry that also prey on women in this way. And I think something that I want to see more of, and I know something that Kayleen and I have had a lot of conversations about is how do we highlight more diverse instructors, diverse races, diverse bodies? Like how can we actually change this narrative of like what fitness or Pilates is supposed to look like? Because if you can't see yourself represented in something, you're not going to see that as possible for yourself. And I think that a big missing piece of accessibility that pretty much small and larger niches of the industry should be looking at and considering and can actually change is how do we create better representation? Like the financial accessibility of Pilates is still really tricky with a reformer, right? Like it's essentially like buying, it's like buying a little boat. It's not cheap, even like, like, because creating this thing, because even manufacturing one of these takes money, right? Like really nice reformers are it's kind of like owning a piece of art. So the financial accessibility part is really challenging. But I think this idea of creating something that before you had to go into a studio and you'd walk in, and I'm not saying all studios are like this, but a lot of them are, the instructor isn't a match set and everyone else isn't a match set. They're all a size two. Maybe there's a size four in there. And even as the size eight girl in a beer, like in like a beer brewery tank top, I have always felt out of place in classes. I have never liked the studio culture. I have never been comfortable in the room. I have a lot of weird challenges with my body. I know lots of people want to work really, really hard. There's some days that like with my chronic conditions, I can't do that. And I have to say that when I think about this idea of a, of a reformer being at home, I think one of the great things about it is no one can see you. You can wear whatever the heck you want. No one is there to judge you. Hey, maybe an instructor who kind of looks like you is on the screen so you don't have to feel so bad about yourself all the time. And when you realize that the thing that's happening on the screen doesn't make sense for your body, you have the autonomy to do something completely different. And there's no one there to go, but, but, but you're doing it wrong or can't you do one more when you know internally that that's not a good idea. Or if you're like, I'm feeling like I would actually like to go off the beaten path and do something a little bit harder. Maybe it'll end well, maybe it won't. At least you have the autonomy to play. And to me, that's the power of being able to do things on your own and feel like you're able to trust your body to do things on your own is that you have permission without anyone watching you or telling you what to do how much or how little you want to work and explore what actually makes sense for you. Mm. Uh, yeah, we touched on some great stuff in there. Body trust. So just having the ability to say, I can probably do that. <laughs> so it's not always, I, you know, I have to and I will, right? Just have the ability to say, yeah, I can, do, yeah, probably. You know, that that's a, a bit of trust that, in exercise and personal training is kind of left out a lot of times. And so I think that's a, a good route to go down. You also said something, it, you know, you, you both said some interesting things about the accessibility conversation that, you know, make a lot of sense, especially for anybody who's, you know, been a part of 
marketing and uh, said, you know, done Pilates sessions and has seen the scene inside some of these studios where, you know, you had your brewery t-shirt on. I'm imagining, you know, more like the bunhead culture and the dancer. And so, yeah, those, those environments are, they are intimidating. You know, I had, I've, I've had my experiences. I was also trying to think of a, like an embarrassing Pilates story of my own. And there, there's definitely multiples, but I couldn't like really get the details out enough to help the audience kind of understand what it's like on the inside of these, I guess like pre-COVID, what it was like for me, like inside one of these studios. What if I told you the biggest thing standing in the way of peak performance is potentially something as simple as changing how you breathe? We at Think Fit Be Fit rely on science for new ways to optimize performance. That's why we've partnered with NeuroPeak Pro and their new product, the Intel Belt. NeuroPeak has developed the next generation of wearable tech. This belt is a real-time training device designed to teach users how to breathe properly in order to strengthen their resilience to stress, recover quickly, and effectively execute the task in front of them. If you're ready to begin unleashing the true power of breath, Download the free NeuroPeak Pro app to experience their precision breath training or dive deeper into the science of breath training by visiting thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash NPP. Your best training is a breath away. There's another part of that conversation that it goes more like inside the person, inside the instruction, which I think we can learn to move better if we have external feedback. So that's one of the things that I feel like I can take responsibility for and offer it to people. So that's something, yeah, I've put a lot of energy into and, you know, thinking about, you know, what that's brought to my practice uh, as a student and having had virtual Pilates sessions as a student for this entire pandemic, uh, what that's done for me. It's made me a better mover for sure. It's, it's also definitely challenged the the few instructors I've used over this, you know, two year plus period. I even tried a group class with my chair before I got rid of it. And that was really interesting. <laughs> it was definitely full of instructors. Like I had no idea what was going on, which is crazy for someone with like m- an exercise mechanics background and then being put into a Pilates instruction like position and being like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're just using names of made up characters from the little mermaid. Thanks. And (laughs) it's not helpful. So I think what is helpful is like an external focus, which Kayleen would be like your data. So can we go into like a little bit more of like the interface and the Uh, movers experience? So the way we structure it is we have um, all of our classes are on demand. And so you can access them at any point. And we release a couple new classes every week. So while you're doing a class, you would have your device streaming your selection of the online class. 
And that class might be 10 minutes, it might be 20, it might be 30, it might be 45. It will have a different focus that you, you've selected, whether it's flow or a little bit faster, higher intensity or different levels. So we break it out in a, a similar way that you might see it in a studio. We know that clients tend to grow the way clients tend to gravitate and select Mm -hmm. the class they're ready for that day. And then we also have those different lengths so that you can fit it in to your schedule. Because Mm -hmm. that's a big big barrier, I think, for the studio experiences. You have an hour-long class, but then you need half hour before and half hour after Mm -hmm. to do the commute and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So you're watching the class on your device. And we have basically a user interface with some graphics that goes over that class. So on one side, we're going to be saying, these are the springs that you should be using. And on the other side, we're going to have some other data about what is the class? How many reps are you doing? How, you know, what is this control score for you? Mm. So as you're going through the class, you're listening to the instructor. The instructor is giving you cues and instruction just like they would in a class. But the very specific things that give you feedback about how you are doing are computer generated. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at those things from the carriage movement. How much control? How far are you moving it? How fast are you moving it? Are you moving it the same every repetition? And then giving you feedback about can you do this better or should you change the resistance? So that's like the the in-class thing, right? Can we help you with real-time feedback move better? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm putting better in air quotes here because that's a very subjective and probably controversial term, but in the Pilates space, right? Mm-hmm. Can we have, can we get you to move in a way that we recognize is the objective, which mm. demonstrates control? Mm-hmm. The second, the 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 second thing I think that's really important is that after class you get a you get a report card. Mm. So we can now say for the, you know, here are your overall scores. But our algorithms behind the scenes actually have now categorized and stored your data for each exercise you did. So that every time that exercise comes up in the next class you take, we have some historical background. Okay, these are the springs they use. This was their performance. What kind of feedback should we be giving them? What kind of starting springs should they be using the next time this particular exercise comes up? And that gives context so that you can keep progressing mm-hmm. instead of always having a random spring set that's mm-hmm. you know the baseline for everybody yeah that's pretty insane in every class that i mean so <laughs> okay so <laughs> instructors can't even come close to that kind of feedback cuz to have that information it, it, instructors don't know how to measure uh, outcomes in Pilates, I would guess, because they, they don't under they mostly aren't taught mechanics at a very yeah. basic level. Uh, what do these springs do? What are they <laughs> offering you? And those are questions that I love asking about any device that I'm going to use for exercise. What is this kettlebell offering? You know, and what are the downsides? Uh, what are the down 
yeah, downsides of me not controlling what it's offering force-wise. Sorry, that's a lot of shade for the whole Pilates world and personal instructor like game. But I mean, it is a game. Like I think we all have to step it up. We all have to be providing some kind of real usable feedback for our for our athletes, for our clients, for our patients, whatever you, whatever you all call them. Because yeah, because that's how the real learning happens, and the real learning is what makes the muscles <laughs> perform in a daily. Yeah, in a daily way, and the things that are going to help you tie the shoes, pick up the the vacuum cleaner, or pick up the bags, or you know, for me, it's golf. You know, the when you learn, when you get feedback, you can then take it outside into the real world. So that's the other piece of Pilates that is like not accessible. Is like mm-hmm. the actual carryover. Yeah. yeah. I think you you yeah you mentioned something really interesting there, and I want to be clear about what we can and can't do and I, mm-hmm. I and the way i think about this is you know we're not necessarily a replacement for mm-hmm. a pilates instructor mm-hmm. because in the fitness world as you all know there's in person environment and then there's at home environment and there are pros and cons to each one mm-hmm. and by using technology we can bring some of what a Pilates instructor can bring in class to the home, but we can't bring everything, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the really exciting thing is, okay, so we can now facilitate a really successful class outside of the studio. But then to your point, how can we now take that data, bring it back into a studio environment and basically level up mm-hmm. everything that's happening in a studio? Because now the teachers can focus on the things that only they can do and get, you know, give better feedback and better progressive progressive advice mm. because there's some system tracking and quantifying and getting smarter at that. And so I, I do want to be, mm-hmm. yeah, I do want to be clear that they're different, but I think there's overlap and, you know, the benefit, the pros and cons to each are, are different. Uh, I think, I think the other thing that is worth kind of addressing or adding, and I think what kind of makes Pilates a little bit confusing Mm-hmm. at times um, as of the whole system, right? When we start talking about like the reformer and the equipment and everything is that this kind of got brought up earlier, but I want to spell it out a little more clearly is that sometimes more spring makes an exercise feel harder. And sometimes more spring makes an exercise actually feel easier because spring tension works quite differently than say a free weight, like a kettlebell or a barbell. I think the other thing that's a little bit different is, is when we're on a Pilates machine, we're not looking for like max output, max strength. We really are looking for, can you control the range of motion? And again, what's interesting about that is a lot of the time, it's not just the pushing out on the exercise, it's the resisting the spring to come back in. I think what makes this a unique challenge for teachers is One of the issues is sometimes with teacher training. So if there's instructors listening and they're like, they'd never thought of this before, I don't want them to feel bad because like you don't know what you don't know. And I mean, I've been a baby instructor and I've worked with a lot of newer instructors is that we're taught to just give everyone the same spring in a class, right? We're taught to just say two red and a blue, 
whatever that means. I think that's the other bit of the confusion that like Kayleen is sort of trying to help sort out with technology because it is tricky. And depending on where you did your teacher training and your level of experience, it can be a little bit confusing to figure out like what spring does someone need? Because you can have two people who are the exact same size. And if let's say one of them is a woman who has been strength training and one of them is a woman who was never strength trained before who's new to exercise, even if they look the same, even if they weigh about the same, if you put them each down on their back, which you can think everyone can think of this, it's not quite like that, like a squat on their back for footwork. If you give those two people the same spring, one person's going to think that spring is really hard. And one person's going to be like, why am I doing this? And they're going to be banging that reformer in and out. And that context, to be honest, if you've ever taught group classes, group classes are a nightmare. I say this with love, but teaching a live group class is really hard. And so I do think that there's a lot of different pieces in this that make it kind of complicated. And again, to the point of all problems, not all problems have elegant solutions. And so I think what we have to think about this is trade-off and how can we use technology to sort of help inform and create a better experience and education moment for ourselves? And then how can that in-person environment create more support, create more nuanced feedback and dialogue about what position feels best in your body? And just understand, again, this goes back to one of that points I'm always making, which is like, it's good to have a lot of different feedback tools. And it's good to not be dogmatic about it. So that's just kind of my two cents is that I think that all of these things can be really valuable and have their place. It's just understanding the context in which to apply it. That was all like fascinating. Yeah, I love I love the whole like sharing more about just what feedback is for people just to like not confuse people. I was referring to feedback in a way of coaching, like actual, you did, you know, the, the sandwich of feedback, like you did this great, this needs a little work. Okay, let's go. And then there's also the feedback that we're used to in the exercise environment, which might be, I'm not straight enough. I'm not bent enough. I'm not, you know, whatever enough, not enoughness. There's a lot of that going around. And then there's the the feedback that we were talking about with data and external feedback and external cueing potentially with that feedback. So thank you guys for hanging in for that. So because we used it a lot of different ways. And then there was a fourth way that we used it when we were talking about neuromuscular stuff, which is all fascinating. You can't see my air claps, guys, but you get the point. <laughs> um, I wanted to steer back to Kayleen. Do you guys have any other things to say about feedback before? Okay, I'm glad. Just didn't want to leave that without with, with anyone confused or myself. Uh, with Kayleen uh, and being a mechanical engineer, when you were a Pilates instructor, not just, but before Flexia, were you thinking about speed and mechanics and output and things of that nature while you were teaching people? And did it in, did the mechanical side in that way influence your one your interactions with your students and clients? Absolutely. In fitness instruction, 
I would say broadly, Pilates especially specifically, we're taught how the exercise should be performed. Mm-hmm. And my brain, you know, there were things that we're taught to correct and encourage. And so my brain was always like, why? Why? Why is slower important in this instance? What are we trying to get at? Why is rhythm and consistency important in this instance? What are we trying to get at? And there are a lot of mechanical... The the reformer itself is not a complicated contraption, although it looks quite complicated, I'm sure. It follows very, very specific laws of physics. Mm -hmm. And for me, not being able to, to quantify what the machine was doing was really difficult. Even explaining things like the spring constant, as the spring gets longer, the resistance gets heavier. Mm-hmm. Clients all the time come into the studio. And I mean, I want to do this too, because I, I love numbers, but they want to know how much weight did I lift today? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, there was never an answer without going into physics, which mm-hmm. you could just see people, you know, <laughs> eyes glaze over. <laughs> like it's not a satisfying response at all. <laughs> and so absolutely. I think the other the other part to this equation is why is the reformer built the way it is? I've done a lot of work with a lot of different machines and different train or different schools of Pilates training. Why they want features and designs and sizes to be the way they are. Mm. And circling back to my story about my client earlier who almost didn't come to the studio, you know, I mentioned there was only one reformer in the studio that really fit her. And it was still like, you know, and if there mm. were two tall people in the class, then they fought over the one machine that would give them a better workout. I mean, let's not even talk about NBA or NFL players who have to fit on these tiny machines. Mm-hmm. And in in the Pilates space, there are also the smaller body, really flexible people who go, as they make these machines bigger, I no longer feel like I fit on this. And so my brain was also thinking, why are we designing the geometry of this machine the way we are. There is a way to make this fit more people and be intuitive to use without making it like this behemoth of a machine that, you know, takes up more than half your living room. And so that was the other part of this, you know, nerdy thought process Mm -hmm. in my head was like, Pilates reformers have evolved, but have they evolved in an overall thoughtful way? And mm-hmm. what are what is missing right now for the population of people that are using them? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's just such a cool way to look at the flexia is also that it, it comes from like the structure thought process, like, you know, looking at why and how does this function where the how does this function <laughs> conversation just doesn't happen very often 
in exercise science, movement science. So you're in the right place. We're about to publish a 50-minute conversation on the difference between center of pressure and center of gravity and (laughs) what that means in the context of a lunge. So... And so my other co-hosts, I just have to give them a shout right now because you're right, talking about Newtonian physics and mechanics is exercise 101, but people's, the knowledge that those two are connected is just not there. It's just not taught. And the gentlemen of fitness for consumption spend they do audio presentations of moment arm and force mechanics and resultants and things that really matter when you are changing the dynamics of your movement, which is exercise. Once you put something in your hand that has resistance in it, like a spring or a dumbbell, everything changes. Your body has to respond to a stimulus and also keep you upright which the upright part is very challenging for some people. And that, you know, kind of circles back to, you know, where Nikki's, you know, really, what is it? Experienced, you're a guide, all of this on hypermobility and what, what that can do, what strength training and getting to know your body and being gentle and anti-hustle exercise, what that can do for your body. So I just thought that was an interesting way to circle it back up there. Is there anything that we missed or that we should poke into, dive into a little bit more? I don't think anything comes to mind Mm -hmm. other than I think that everyone's needs within all of these modalities is going to be different. And Mm -hmm. so I think that a really important piece in all of this is that We talked about a lot of really cool and technical and very important things, but I think the part that's actually quite difficult to quantify is that like lived experience, soft skills stuff of like figuring out what you personally need or what your client personally needs. And I think sometimes, oftentimes, a lot of our opinions about a certain type of exercise is that initial introduction to it. Mm-hmm. Or sort of that, right? Our brains are really good at like trying to quickly like slice information to figure out what it is and if we should like it. And I think sometimes we get an exposure or an experience to strength training or to Pilates. And depending on how that goes, we decide if something is or isn't for us. And so what I would say in this conversation is if you're listening to this and there's parts of it that you're like, hmm, <laughs> One way or another where you're like, maybe I should give it, maybe I can look at this from a different way. If you've ever sort of looked at something or brushed it off or found it overwhelming or found it confusing, I think there's great value in sometimes giving something a second look and sort of asking yourself, what about that specific experience was it that made you really like it or not like it? Because I think that figuring that out, that little piece of what made this valuable or important to me can be really good insight on what to do next if if you're struggling or what to try or what may or may not be missing. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of my final thought in all of this is that um, all of this is really cool, but it's most valuable when placed within the context of that N equals one individual moment because we are so different and because there are so many options and because there are so many applications within this stuff. Hmm. 
Okay. So I do, I have uh, another question for Kayleen. <laughs> what are one, of, what is one of the things, the problems that you were trying to solve with the flexia that really kept you grinding, like really kept you motivated while designing this? It's all customer feedback. Mm. I mean, even before Flexia was a thing, right? This is people were asking me for this. And we were having these conversations about accessibility and what is important and why people are or aren't showing up and what they love and don't love about the equipment and the method. And, you know, we talked about Nikki in the early days coming on and and um, helping me. And that's because we ran a pre-sale before I ever designed anything on paper. And the success of that and the feedback of that was so powerful that people, people were looking for this. Mm-hmm. And the feedback of, yes, I want that messaging. And yes, your you know goals resonate with me. And... This little community, um, people that I know is not, these aren't like, this isn't like a, a tiny community. This is consistent messaging we see out there. And now it's a matter of bringing them all together and hearing from people who often have felt othered, but in mm-hmm. many cases, I mean, this is the, the practical solution to their problem of being able to move their body in a way that's not pressuring them to lose weight and that feels good and Mm. is convenient. And that is consistent messaging from our customers. And I have to keep going because of that. I mean, that's the people deserve that option and and we can, we can provide an option for them. That's so cool. There's definitely a lot of reasons to explore what people actually need. Like what is the most important thing they can get from exercise and instruction versus what the fitness industry, you know, just curates just for you. And that they, you know, that those two things don't always match up. And I think that's one of the the keystones I keep coming back to with this podcast is being able to just you know uh, separate these two for people and and show them that you know you don't have you can ask for something when it comes to you know your exercise and so I yeah that's all beautiful yeah I definitely am excited to you know share this with everyone I hope that you're you're no longer intimidated by some of the uh, Pilates instructors in the Google at, the Google images. I thought that was like a good way to illustrate it. You know, if you just Google image something and and it all looks like it belongs on the same image quilt, then we've got an issue. <laughs> so let's uh, tell people where to find Flexia and you all individually. So you can find Flexia on the web at Flexia Pilates and flexiapilates.com. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Kayleen Canaveri. And I'm also on Medium. So I have um, some blog posts on the topic as well. So medium.com at Kayleen Canaveri. You can find all of my things at my website, which is unfortunately my last name that's quite difficult to spell. (laughs) So just check out the show notes, nablevy.com. 
I'm also on Instagram at NabLevy. I spend admittedly far too much time there, but you can get some real hot takes without enough filter. Uh, And then finally, I have a podcast called Results Not Typical. We have an episode with Jen on it that's great, where we talk a lot about like sort of the mechanics of how muscle actually works and training uh, and the purpose of muscle versus body fat. So check it out. And I'm going to have her and her co-host Meredith back on the podcast soon. So definitely check those out as well. Yes, that will be a fun episode. I really enjoyed our episode that we did. That was like such an inspired time for me doing all of that research and actually being able to do something with it, you know? Like that's like the best part is when you realize that people are going to be able to use the information and then you get to share it. So that's what it's all about. All right. Well, thank you both for taking the time for getting to know my podcast and me. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.